0: Paratruth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com Since the fall of man, a war has raged between good and evil. Over the centuries this war has distorted the truth. Now the truth is perceived as lies and lies acknowledged as truth. To this day the battle continues as we investigate and debate the truth behind the history and mystery of the universe. We are Paratruth Radio. The tale of the crystal skulls has been circulating for quite some time now. And even in recent years... Research has yet to truly recognize any clues to their existence. Though many argue their purpose and creation, one will undeniably admit that the crystal skulls are an interesting artifact to look at. Now Parachute presents The Theory of the Mystical Crystal Skulls with special guest Josh Shapiro.
1: What's going on, Parafans? Welcome to another episode of Paratruth Radio. My name is Justin. I am flying solo today. Uh, Eric was unable to join me, Uh, but today we've got an awesome show for you. We've got Josh Shapiro coming on to talk about the Crystal Skulls. Uh, I do want you guys to uh, check out the new Paratruth Radio network. Uh, We are live and active now. Uh, it's gonna—it's an awesome new concept for Eric and myself, and we are so psyched for it to be live. Uh, just go to ptrnetwork.com and check out all the different tabs there. We've got a lot of great stuff for you. So, with all that being said and done, uh, I think I'm gonna go to the line with my guest, Josh Shapiro. Alright, Josh, welcome to Paratruth Radio. How are you? I'm doing great and excited to be
2: here for my first visit with you guys.
1: Awesome. So, to get started, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and kind of how you got on this journey, uh, to, to do research into the Crystal Skulls.
2: Sure. Well, it's, it's hard to remember because, uh, it's been like over 30 years. Um Where do I start? Well, let's just say that uh, after I got out of college, I started to become interested in spiritual and paranormal and metaphysical topics. And so um, my life has, has not been the so-called normal life. Let's say I've, I've tried to trust my inner guidance and going on faith and this kind of thing. So basically I started in Chicago. And um, I guess in the early 80s, I took a trip on faith from Chicago to California and back. And fortunately, my father bailed me out at the end because the money I brought with me, I ran out. But um, I would say that trip in the early 80s is really what got me started because then I took all the information I collected and I wrote a book. And then once you have a book, you need to share it and do more lectures and promote yourself. So the next time that I went out, in 1983, I had already made contacts with people in the Bay Area, and one lady had a metaphysical bookstore in San Jose, California, across the street from the Rosicrucian Park. It's called the Ram Metaphysical Bookstore. And so I went into her store and tried to see if uh, she needed copies of my first book, Journeys of an Aquarian Age Networker. And she pulled out these pictures of an amethyst crystal skull, which still exists today, although whoever has it, it's uh, they haven't uh, revealed themselves. And uh, just seeing the pictures of that amethyst crystal skull, which is now known as me, it activated something inside of me. It's like, you know, I'm assuming most of the people who listen to your show are on their own spiritual path and their spiritual journey. And as we all know, we have magic moments where something special happens to you and all of a sudden, it opens up doors, and that's part of your journey in life. So when I saw the picture of this amethyst skull, like everyone else, you know, I knew there were crystal skulls, the Mitchell Hedges skull, mm. the most famous one that has uh, two pieces with the movable jaw. Actually, today, the guardian of that skull called me, and we were chatting because I, I interviewed him a couple of months ago, and I'm going to be sharing his interview in this new membership service that we're going to be offering soon. Oh, okay. So... Yeah, so anyway, um, I saw these pictures of this amethyst gull, and I had a really strong reaction just to the pictures. It's like I had this um, strong inner vibration, I call it an inner earthquake going on, and then it just so happened on that very day, like a half an hour later, there was a real earthquake in California, so there was like an inner and an outer earthquake. And basically the message that I got, just by looking at the picture, now this is before I met that skull, because... About a month later, I actually got to meet it. Um, I just felt like the crystal skulls were returning, and they're coming here to help humanity to create world peace. So that's back in April of 1983, and I've never um, had that message ever changed. And it doesn't matter what crystal skulls I see, I always feel like it. Now, for um, your audience, if they're not sure what a crystal skull is, I'll show you... Uh, the the large one of the large ones we have so everybody has an idea of what we're speaking about so basically back in the 80s there were these quartz skulls that were coming out of uh, let's say mesoamerica mexico central america by ancient ruins mm-hmm. and um, this is a replica done by a very well-known carver named Leandro from Brazil who's a friend of mine this is like the first personal skull that i had it's called portal de luz portal of light Um, And the quartz was mined in Brazil, and it was made in Brazil, so that's why it has this Portuguese name. So um, for some people, of course, when they look at that object, they would say, well, you know, it's just a piece of quartz that somebody decided to put in the shape of close to or approximating a human bone skull. But this is the key, I would say, of all the skulls I've seen, all the places I've traveled Including the personal ones we have, and ancient ones I've seen, and new ones, is when they become activated, when they awaken. There is a living consciousness that works through these skulls. Now, I I explained this. um, I'm trying to remember. It was a British production company in 2011, in late January. I had to go to San Francisco for an interview. And this was for a show called The Truth About Crystal Skulls. And eventually it came on some of the different channels. And occasionally I get people, like somebody just wrote to me, I think about a week ago, saying, oh, I just saw you on that show, and your part was really great, but then they discredit, tried to discredit every single thing that you said. So when I tried to explain this idea, recognizing it was possible, they would you know, say something in another part of the show that I wouldn't see because, you know, the director's just there asking you questions. Okay. And it sounded like the d- director was going to have this documentary really, maybe not totally 100% percent pro Scope, but at least looking at both ends. But he really, his intention was totally to disprove that there's nothing there. So what your listeners and viewers need to understand is, is that, um, these crystal skulls are literally like housing. Um, I don't know how to describe Spiritual beings, dimensional beings, could be ETs, could be nature spirits, uh, could be uh, spirits from people that live inside the earth. There's an intelligence. Now, this is not just me thinking this. Um, obviously, being out there on the Internet, our website, I think, came up, uh, was the first one about crystal skulls back in... Um, early 1990s so we hear from people all the time and when we we who have crystal skulls and we say that they say yeah this crystal skull is talking with me it gives me a name um, tells me how to work with it and so on so if you think about this if if Where we are right now is we have a lot of really wonderful things that are going on on the planet and we have a lot of messes that are going on. It's like kind of polarized. Like when I walk outside, I kind of feel like I'm in two worlds. One world is with people who are sleeping, that have no idea about all these alternative realities and that there's, you know, um, let's say spirit around us all the time. Because when you talk with spirit... They say to you, you don't understand. We're right there with you all the time. There is no time and space. It's all together. Um, and it's hard for a lot of people if they don't get involved in, you know, their spiritual journey to understand that within the last few months, I've been having a lot of inner experiences, which when you have that inner experience and somebody says there's no space and time, then it makes sense because you're having the experience of it. You're feeling you know, uh, a spiritual family around you and family that loves you, that wants to see us get it right here on the planet, but he has to kind of follow, like, the rules of Star Trek where they can't interfere. But anyway, the crystal skulls are housing intelligences like this, and therefore they become a, a tool for the individual, regardless whether it's a very, very old crystal skull that may have been part of Atlantis, Lemuria, gifts from the gods. Um, some of the skulls, I think, could be more than a million years old. Or if it's a new one that's made now, um, there is a spiritual presence, essence, consciousness, living consciousness that seems to work through the skulls. And when I look at it after 30-some years, I think, well, this was an ingenious plan by spirit to be able to have something in the physical here with us, we could see and touch, and at the same time be able to have a, a relationship and contact with us. Mm-hmm. So um, this is part of what I think is going on with the crystal skulls. So I think right now what their key is to help people to awaken to their divine presence, to their their spirit, their higher self, whatever you know. We have so many names that we call these things now. Um, So anyway, it was this amethyst skull that got me started. It was kind of like the activation to bring forth soul memories, a recognition. I've worked with them before. They're here. They're back, coming out again to assist us, a powerful tool. And I think the proof of this is when you talk with um, the indigenous people who have skulls, like the Mayans, they – They don't hide it. They tell you, yeah, we worked with skulls. We have crystal skulls. We know about them. They were presents from our grandfathers from the Pleiades is one of the things they talk about. So these were sacred objects that were used by by people in our past and are still used by some of the indigenous people. And, um, you know, we're in the time of prophecy, I think, right now. All kinds of changes are coming up. Uh, one of the thing, another thing that I've been doing, which we could talk about if you want to, that's interconnected with crystal skulls, is all the people who've been connected to, uh, let's say, UFOs and secret projects going on behind. The, so many people are talking about this now. It's like this is part of the prophecies that all this information was going to come out. So I'm starting to celebrate as we go into the year of 2016 that that I actually chose to be incarnate in here while these amazing changes are going to happen. Now, of course, we're still going to see um, some challenging stuff going on. There are probably going to be things they're going to say are certain things which they aren't. Um, I think disclosure is very close right now. I mean, we already have disclosure because there are people who have been involved with the projects. They're talking about it. So... Um, we live in a really remarkable time. So I would say to your viewers and listeners, whatever I talk about, because I'm just being very spontaneous with you, I'm just kind of going with what I feel to share, you know, you decide for yourselves whether you believe me or not. I mean, when I was on that that uh, Crystal Skull show there, and I saw, you know, there were people making comments about, this guy Shapiro, he's nuts, what is he talking about? But, you know, we we're just living in an amazing time and, i I'm predicting that in the next year or two, those of us who have dedicated ourselves you know to following our spiritual paths and try to work together, help humanity, a lot of people are gonna be looking for us and saying, You know I have this friend or this member in my family who is talking about all this stuff, and now it's actually happening i'm seeing it I need to understand it so we're gonna we're living in a really interesting time, and I just know the crystal skulls play an important role in all of this um you know, they they could be the ancient computers that could have, like, amazing knowledge inside of them. Besides the consciousness speaking, the energies that they generate and when they're together or, like, um, on the 1st of January, uh, which is uh, four days before you and I spoke today, we did a world peace meditation. I have no idea how many people joined us. You know, probably at least several hundred. I know there were thousands of crystal skulls that participated. And we, we have another meditation on the 13th of January and the 13th of every month. So, I just know the crystal skulls is a key tool that's returning. It's been, it's like the ancient alien program is saying, well, the aliens visited us and they probably changed our DNA and they gave, uh, technology and knowledge to, to past civilizations and, Did they leave? Are they still here? Well, it's the same with the crystal skulls. I think they are sacred tools that these civilizations used. And now they're coming back. And, you know, it's like every year we hear from many new people who, you know, like there's one lady – that just contacted, she's buying all our books and we have two skulls we're waiting for to charge for her and send to her and she's like, I don't understand. All of a sudden, I have to be involved with this. I have to read about it. I have to participate, have my own. So the crystal skulls seem to be part of this whole process. So my answer to you, I've already, you know, like linked together <laughs> so many different things, but that's what the crystal skulls are. They're, they're connected to all of this. And that's why I like it. I'm an Aries and Aries people like to be kept busy and be challenged. And so it's like every year new things start happening and new adventures. And so I'm perfectly happy to be a crystal skull explorer and just witness what's the new stuff that's going to come out. New skulls come out. So it's really, it's amazing, but it is. For me, it's connected to this whole process of transformation which humanity is going through right now. They're a key tool, and they're helping a lot of people to wake up and and heal them and get rid of blocks. Really, it's quite remarkable um, what the crystal skulls do, considering that it's just a a gemstone in the shape of a skull, but it's more than that. It's much more than that. So... um, there's no way on your radio show we could cover all the aspects that we've come across with yeah. them, for sure. Yeah. Well, and uh,
1: you know, the one thing that uh, I I pride myself on about Paratruth Radio and both me and Eric together uh, is that uh, you know we just bring the information to our listeners, um, and they they have the option to determine. On their own, you know what they believe the truth is. Uh, one thing that I I do want to bring up because my co-host actually approaches a lot of things from a, a Christian perspective, and uh, where I come from a more uh, I guess mainstream view uh, on on the different topics that we cover. Uh, in, in your research and through doing work with the Crystal Skulls, have you come across a lot of people from different
2: faiths? Yeah, the the Crystal Skulls have nothing to do with what religion or spiritual philosophy somebody lives with. I think I've met people from every denomination you know, who have just felt a connection with them. So, I mean, yes, um, maybe for some Christian people they might say, well the shape of the human bone skull you know it's uh, represents death um, a person who's died it's uh, on medicine that uh, on poison rather you know they have the shape of the skull mm-hmm. um, so but that doesn't make any sense why should just that one part of our body our the shape of our skull be evil and the rest of the body's okay you know uh anyone who believes in god I think, believes, you know, the, um creator doesn't make any mistakes. There's a reason why humanity has this form, you know, whether we've been changed over time because of contact with extraterrestrials, which I think is going to come out more and more, our DNA. Because there's something interesting about our DNA I read in a book, and I thought it was quite fascinating, very important point, is they've found, let's say... Uh, bones of prehumans and their dna does not match the dna that we have right. you know it's like they're totally separate so somebody had to come in and change the dna to create humanity how they are today so um so you know um i uh, i just think that um if a person doesn't look at the form like we've had this happen sometimes where some people didn't want to look at the face of the skull because Either they had a past life where they – and I believe this, that some of these Mesoamerican cultures, um, more current to modern times, they misused the skulls, let's say, uh, didn't – Look at them as a sacred tool that's helping humanity, but, you know, as a tool to have control or power over other people. So some people I know when they see a crystal skull, it brings up a negative response because they may have been involved with sacrifices even that this happened, but this isn't what they're about. I mean, um, I just believe that the shape of the human bone skull was given to humanity because – It allows us, just like a pyramid, you go one-third of the way down in a pyramid and it rejuvenates metal and it even will enhance your DNA too. It's really powerful. It's the shape of the skull is the same. It allows us to receive knowledge from the universe. It's like that shape is a conductor and then it comes down in different levels of consciousness. So this is what I think is part of what the crystal skulls also are doing because – some of the ones I've met, like the Mitchell Hedges Gold, there's an energy and a consciousness and a knowledge connected to that artifact that is unbelievable. So, but you know, not everybody is sensitive to these electromagnetic fields that are around, like energy vortexes and sacred places. You know, they say only psychics have it, but we all have this gift. It's just we were taught when we were young to not pay attention to it, so we lose it, just like if, uh, you know, you don't keep practicing riding a bicycle, you don't master it, but eventually it becomes part of your subconscious. Mm. So, for me, even if I'm, if I'm not coming from a scientific per- perspective with the skull, just be in the presence and feel the energy and see how I'm responding and listening to other people, that seems to be pretty powerful too, the energies that these crystal skulls have. So I just believe that whenever they were introduced to humanity, it was a tool to help to awaken consciousness. That's what it's doing now. But also the indigenous people have these prophecies that somehow the crystal skulls, especially the Mayans, are connected to the transformation of the earth. It's like they're coming out now to help us to work with these frequencies and energies to help with the transformation of the earth. So the one thing I would tell your listeners and your viewers if they ever do get a crystal skull in the future to be uh, totally prepared for changes to happen in their life because you know if, if I go back from let's say day 1 where I saw this amethyst skull in 1983 to here to 2015 you know I definitely am not that not the same person um I believe the skulls have helped me to, for an Aries fire sign, I'm a little more balanced and calm. And I think the Mitchell Hedges skull, the last time I saw it, which was uh, when the Indiana Jones film came out, mm-hmm. I was inter- interviewed for a documentary at Bill Holman's home, which they didn't air for the Sci-Fi Channel. Oh. I just felt like this, the skull really uh, changed me. Um, I had a very profound experience with it, and it was like things don't affect me. I just let people be who they are. I'm not here to judge anyone. We each have our own way to live. And I agree with this um, philosophy of this early group I met when I first started in the early 80s called Unity Through Diversity, Mm -hmm. where, you know, just the people that you have agreement with, work with them. If you don't, honor where they're coming from and move on. You know, um, this is the beauty about living on the earth, I think, is we have access to so many different cultures, religions, ideas, philosophies. Um, there's more than enough going on now that could satisfy every single person that's here, and we don't have to agree on everything. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't have to – all we have to do is just say, I honor where you are and let's work together on what we agree upon, and there would be total peace on the planet if we just changed that one idea. Instead of trying to convince her, no, my way is the right way. There is no one right way. It's whatever works for you, you know. So that's yeah. that's just the way I I see things. And um, you know, fortunately, um, I would say in the early days when you know we were on the internet sharing some of this stuff, we did get you know emails from people who thought we were crazy or whatever. But it's not so much now, and I think it's just because. Uh, so much, there are so many radio shows, TV shows, movies that are sharing all of this, especially for the young people now. This mm-hmm. is like, you know, common. Like if UFO disclosure comes, the young people just say, about time, we've been waiting. <laughs> we know this is all true. Yeah. And there are actually some countries out there too where the people are having this contact and, you know, it's, it's not fantasy for them. It's really going on. So yeah. I'm really excited, uh, that I have this chance to be down here while all these amazing things are going on right now.
1: Absolutely. All right, folks, I think we're going to take our first break here. Uh, I've been talking to Josh Shapiro about the Crystal Skulls. We will be right back after Eric's Random Fact of the Day.
0: Now, Eric's Random Fact of the Day. Did you know that pop rocks were created by accident? According to Thrillist.com, Pop Rocks are the brainchild of William A. Mitchell, a research chemist who worked for General Foods for 35 years. But Mitchell only stumbled upon the candy by chance. He was actually working on an instant soft drink when he accidentally mixed the first prototype for Pop Rocks together. The man was smart enough to know, though, that he had something better in his hands and patented... Pop rocks in nineteen fifty six.
3: History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies, big and small.
1: All right, folks, welcome back to Paratruth Radio. My name is Justin, and I've been interviewing uh, Josh Shapiro about the crystal skulls. Now, Josh, we had just uh, got done talking about your uh, how you got started with the research into the crystal skulls and uh, a little bit uh, about how different faiths have, have come into uh, possession of crystal skulls. Now, one thing that I wanted to touch on, which I had read about on your uh, on your webpage and a little bit... Um, uh, through the, the videos that I saw of your interviews, is is the blue the blue crystal skull that you found.
2: Okay. Well, actually, I have not found that crystal skull. To oh, It's okay. more of like a vision. See, that's what makes it kind of strange. Normally, when somebody writes about something, it's like, you know, they've seen it, they've touched it, they've held it. Mm. But for me, this blue crystal skull is something when I was in Peru I started having a vision of. Okay. And, and a feeling that there was one there, and then, uh, once I h- had that feeling, then I went three times because my body, and again, this might be strange for some people, but sometimes when you're involved in, let's say, something of a spiritual nature, you may feel yourself pulled, like in a direction. So my body was being pulled when this came up for me, which was back in the early 1990s, my body was being pulled to the northern part of Peru, and I had never been to that part of Peru. Because when you go on these t- tours to Peru, usually you go to, like, Machu Picchu, Cusco, uh, Lake Titicaca. So all of this is the central to the southern part. Okay. But I'm being pulled to the northern part, which really was not uh area strong for the Inca. It was more for pre-Inca cultures. And um, so um, I had to... C- I was, um, the first trip that I took related to the bluesco was in 1998, where I'm specifically going to looking for it, and I had to quit the job I had. I was like, um, an IT person for uh, one of the cellular phone companies by in the Chicago area, okay. and I had to resign because I didn't know how long I was going to be gone. You know, normally we get two weeks vacation, and I knew two weeks wouldn't be enough, so, um, uh basically what happened is I just uh, headed to the to the um, northern part of Peru. if anybody's ever been to Sedona, they'll probably understand this, is you go into these areas where there's high energy vortexes and it's like you try to plan what you want to do, but it never works out. You have to go with as events come up in the flow. So I didn't know where I was heading. I just knew I was going to the northern part of Peru and then eventually, um, there was a ruin, uh, connected to the Mochica people, the Lord of Sipan. So it was, uh, I forget the name of the city in Peru. We have a book that I wrote, as you probably saw on the website, called, um, uh, Journeys of the Crystal Skull Explorers, Travelogue Number Two, Search for the Blue Skull in Peru. Right. So what I, what I did is when I went on these trips, I went on three trips looking for this skull. I brought a computer, so, I, and in the evening, or in the morning, I could write down everything that happened to me, even if it was boring. I just wrote everything down because I didn't know, and you don't know this when you're in this higher energy vortex, you know, like uh, what's going to be important or what's going to link together or you have an experience here and then uh, the experience expands when you go to another part. So I just wrote it all down. Um, so when I went on this first trip, uh, I didn't know where I was going to wind up and It's just when we went to see the the ruins at the Lord of Zipan, and I showed this. um, He was an archaeologist where my hand was magnetically being pulled to the map. He said, oh, yeah, you need to go up into uh, the far north part uh, in the mountains. Um, And unfortunately, as I'm almost turning 61 here this year, my memory of these strange-sounding names in Peru, sometimes I forget them, um so I can't remember the name he told me but uh eventually I was drawn to the northern part of Peru I had to go to a city that was on the coast take a bus for like 10 hours go high up in the Andes mountains which is like 14 or 15,000 feet mm-hmm. and we traveled on one lane going up that mountain so buses were going up and going down so you had to kind of figure out how you passed each other right and uh then I reached the city uh, which I can't remember the name at, at on the top of the mountain, and uh, eventually we met a um, a, a um, Peruvian shaman who was speaking in you know an ancient language that they used, and he told us about a sacred lagoon high up in the Andes Mountains called the Laguna Negra, the Black Lagoon. So um, we were supposed to go there and watch him do his um, ceremony, but then. Um, the people that said they would go with him they didn't show up so I, I decided to go myself you know something said you should go i mean you got nothing else to do might as well go up there and and that's where I made the connection mm-hmm. so it was really high up in the Andes mountains and uh, prior to getting there on the way up we met this peruvian family was a mother and her sons and I became very close to them and I'm actually the I guess I'm the godfather of uh, their daughter now. And um, they helped us to get a horse and a mule when we got up there because they had a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And uh, while I was in their little house, that's when I had the first vision of the blue skull. It was a really strange vision, um, but it happened to me twice, once in the evening and then in the morning of the next day before we went up. And what, what this was was I was... In their kitchen, in a sleeping bag. Now the size of their house is probably the size of one of the rooms in in your apartment or in your house. You know, made out of wood and aluminum, very primitive. Mm -hmm. So they have they put me in their kitchen, and I'm just resting there, and you know I'm kind of tired from the long drive up and everything. And all of a sudden, when I'm I'm looking up, I see what appears. Now this is totally in my mind's eye. This isn't like, you know, how we see things with our physical eye. This is in my mind's eye. I see this hole open up above me, and this blue skull shoots out through the hole, is floating right in front of me, and then behind it I notice there's a tall being, like maybe 8, 10, 12 foot tall, who seems to be like a guardian of this or connected to it, helping to take care of it. And um, then the next morning, the same thing happens. I see this blue skull again. So I thought, well, okay, I'm in the right area. I'm going to see this skull, and I don't know what's going to happen after that. But, you know, I, I was very excited. So when I went up into the mountain by the lagoon, uh, um, so it was a body of water, and there was a mount, like a mountain behind it. I felt like the skull was inside this mountain, like there was a city inside the mountain. Okay. So the first time, we went up two different directions around the lagoon to get there. And um, the, the second time we, I went up, I just knew I'm not going to see it this time. I became a little bit depressed. And um, then the next day, we we're going to leave. But I just decided to t- kind of take a walk I didn't really care. I just had some music on my... At that time, we had CD players with (laughs) headphones. We didn't have the MP3 players yet. And so I was listening, you know, I think it was Irish music or something like that. And I was just directed to an area that was like a circle of stones, and I just felt to sit there. And as I was sitting there, there was like a voice that was talking to me. Now... Since I have not seen this crystal skull in the physical, although I feel it all the time, whenever I think about it, I feel it. It's like in another dimension, and I'm in touch with it. And I've talked to other people, you know, that uh, they don't think that's too crazy, that, you know, you can be in touch with a spirit or a being that exists in another dimension which our physical senses cannot detect, but our inner senses can detect. Mm -hmm. So for me, this is a very real experience. And um, so anyway, it was kind of like there was a voice speaking to me when I was there related to the Blue Skull, and basically what it said was, is that this area that I was guided to, there used to be a Lemurian temple there because um, people have talked about that the the continent of Lemuria was very large in the Pacific Ocean, and when it sank, the Andes Mountains rose. So the coastline of uh, South America and probably – um, what's the name of those large uh, stone heads that are in an island in the Pacific? Oh, the Easter Island heads. Eastern Island. This could all have been part of Lemurium. Okay. Because in the area I was up in the mountains, there were these huge, huge boulders. And I felt that those boulders had nothing to do with the ground. In other words, they didn't come from the ground. Someone had mu- moved those boulders, and they could have potentially have been parts of stone buildings that existed in that area. And when Lemuria sank and the Andes Mountains rose, those structures were destroyed. Because when I went up into this area, I was also, as I was sitting in the circle, I felt like where I was in that moment, there was a temple from Lemuria. And I was like in one of their rooms, a circular room. And in my mind's eyes, the voice was talking to me. I saw glass cases like on the wall, and each glass case held a different crystal skull, and there was more than one. And I assume this blue skull was one of those skulls. Now, again, this is a vision I'm having high up in the Andes Mountains. I'm totally away from all modern conveniences. You know, I'm I'm having to rough it, which I'm not good at doing. (laughs) I mean, if you would have saw how we set up the tent, I had two Peruvian guys, they didn't know how to set up the tent either, it wasn't very good because when it was raining at night, the rain was coming into our tent. But anyway, uh, as I'm sitting in the circle, it's kind of like the history of the blue skull was given to me. I was I just wrote down what I heard. Mm-hmm. I didn't try to question it. I didn't think it's crazy. It, am I insane? What's happening? I just accepted it and I wrote it down. And basically, what it said is that uh, the blue skull existed in a Lemurian temple. I was sitting. Where I was sitting, this temple existed around me many thousands of years ago. And um, this was the circular room where the other skulls were in the glass cases. And when Lemuria was destroyed, the skull was brought to Atlantis. And when Atlantis was destroyed, it came back to this area. And then eventually uh, some tall beings brought it to the Lord of Sipan. Now, this is another thing that I'm learning about. The ancient people of the primitive cultures of the past seemed to accept when the extraterrestrial and advanced beings came to them. They weren't frightened of them. They weren't warring with them. They, they understood they were coming to help them and teach them. So the, the sense I got from this is that this tall being from this city in this mountain brought the skull to the Lord of Sipan, I may have been married to one of his daughters, and uh he asked me to bring that blue skull back, and I found this mountain, which I forgot to say. The, on the mountain, there's a skull face that exists, which I show people in the lectures, and pe- everybody can see this face that I saw. I felt like I brought the skull there, and there were people inside the city, and there were some young boys that said there was an elder who was talking about a city inside the mountain. Okay. And there were people, other people telling me that they saw UFOs showing up in this area and people walking on the water. And there may be some sacred things that were, um, you know, under the water. The water, the water had a vibration to it, a high energy to it, which could be part of the reason why the local healers, healers the curanderos brought people to this lake for healing too. Cause I wa- I did watch that and to us in the modern world it looked crazy these curanderos are like yelling and screaming at the people but what they're trying to do is take out the bad energy and the bad spirits from them okay. so um so anyway um and then um the lord of Sipan eventually had this blue skull and then his son-in-law brought it back to the mountain and that's where it is now though After the three visits that I have with it, my sensing is the skull doesn't exist in the physical. It's in this inner dimension. That's why I'm having contact with it. But the main message I got from it was is that uh, when it's time for it to, let's say, uh, come into the physical reality, Mm -hmm. it's not going to be a human being that's going to decide this. There's a living consciousness inside of the skull, and it will decide when it is the right time to come. But the other feeling that I got about this blue skull, and this is contrasting it with all the other skulls that I've seen in my my travels, is that we're not ready for it. The vibrational frequency of this skull is too high. People would go crazy around it if they didn't disintegrate. I mean, it just just felt like it has this really high energy. So for whatever reason, at the end of 2012, I talked to my friend um, Tim Beckley, Um, who's known as Mr. UFO, and um, I said, you know, Tim, I need some help to publish this book. So he helped me publish the printed version of the book in early 2013. So if any of your viewers or listeners don't think I'm crazy, think that, you know, maybe I had some experience, maybe I had a contact with a crystal skull that may not exist yet in our dimension, and they want to read about it, all they have to do is just go to our website, crystalskullexplorers.com, and they'll see there's a link there for this book, you know, that talks about this. And of course, um, we did, um, we had another skull that came to us, which I can't show you because the jaw is damaged. Oh. Okay. It's, um, it's, uh, was, it's based on the measurements of the Mitchell Hedges skull. It's a rose quartz skull with a movable jaw. You have to be really careful when you have that lower jaw being separate. Right. And it was gifted to us by these carvers in China, skullists, and they're actually going to send us a new jaw. We're going to send them back to the damaged one, send us a new jaw. The the owner of it, he he and I are brothers, and he has always helped us out. Um, that skull came to us at the end of 2011 uh before we published this book. So we put in some exciting explorations with that rose quartz skull because We worked with a local medium here, and a 17, um, it's not pointed, a quartz crystal with 17 faces on it apported through the eye of the skull when the medium was holding it. So um, I had to go to a store to confirm what material it was, and they said based on its density, it was quartz crystal. So, And uh, and also, too, when we went to this... um, what is it called? Star Knowledge Gathering in 2011 by, um, in southern Illinois where they have the mounds by St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And again, I can't remember the name of it. Uh, there was, uh, one of the 13 grandmother was drawn to that rose quartz skull called Rosalita. And she told me that when I placed it in her hands, cause she was in a wheelchair, she received a healing. She got a lot of heat and a healing from it. So, okay. so anyway, you know, these are, I guess examples of the kind of experiences people have who get connected with the crystal skull or feel they have to kind of do research or whatever. But my personal belief is the blue skull is real. I can communicate with it telepathically whenever I want. I feel it around me all the time. I I have felt it come onto my right hand and then I, t- I, I offer that to people. I say, put your hand over it, see what you feel. And they feel a tremendous energy from that. And lately I've been feeling it con- contact with me doing some healing. For whatever reason, I need to get my vibrational frequency higher for maybe something coming up this year. So I don't know. It's just, it's an interesting life and I never know what's going to happen next. Mm. And, and I try to understand the experiences so I can explain it to people. So if they're just open to things and open, you know, to spirit and that we all have these experiences, then they don't think I'm so crazy and some of it makes sense. But I think the blue skull is a sign that there are more advanced crystal skulls that exist that we have not seen yet that eventually one day are going to come out, which maybe could be, um, you know, there's a theory about 13 crystal skulls, master crystal skulls that work together. The blue skull said... It's not important if a skull is, is old or new. It says, when, if if it's my time to come out, you just call me the blue skull, and, and it doesn't matter if I'm uh, one year old or 100,000 years old. I'm just here to do the job I'm here to do, and that's kind of what I feel from each skull. They have their own unique energy and way of helping people, and the name that's given to the skull is an indication, you know, about what the, the capabilities are. So it's... Um, So if somebody, one of your listeners never had one-on-one comes, you're in for a ride for new adventures and experiences. So so if you're happy with your life, don't get any crystal skulls, (laughs) okay? If everything's okay and you don't want any changes or you're set in your ways or whatever, I don't recommend it. But if you're open to really find out who you are, to bring forth your creative gifts more, To understand things, to have your spiritual gifts come out, then this is a a really great way for it uh, to happen. Well, and that
1: kind of, I've been looking at a couple of questions that Eric sent me. And uh, the one was I've only heard of approximately 12 skulls, and I believe he's thinking, he's uh, speaking of the the much more ancient or older ones. uh, And he had said, Where does that number come from? Uh, How can we know it's accurate? more or less, and why they've only come up with the, that many skulls uh,
2: for for the much older ones? Well, first of all, there's more than 12 older ones. There are hundreds. Uh, when I first started, there were not that many, but recently, like uh, they say in Mexico, you kick the ground and another one comes up. Apparently, the Mesoamerican cultures, the crystal skulls were very important. But really what he's asking is the number – of it's 13 it's not 12 where does number 13 come from well 13 i think is a very important number for humanity okay. there are various various things that that happen in our lives that revolve around 13 or 1 and 12 for mm-hmm. example within religion we have christ and the 12 apostles mm-hmm. but if you read the book he walked the americas the indigenous people in America claim a Christed being walked and found twelve disciples of each tribe to carry his message. Okay. So that's an interesting concept. In Judaism, which I was brought up in, you have the twelve tribes of Israel and the Levites, which are the priests. So again, it's one and twelve. Mm-hmm. And they're even saying in this solar system, there are twelve planets around the sun. Now we know of nine. And I'm pretty sure most people would agree, based on what scientists are telling us, there's something that's affecting Pluto. There's like, you know, the gravitation. So there's probably, and some people call that planet Vulcan. Okay, that may be beyond Pluto. But George Hunt Williamson, who is an early UFO contactee in the 1950s, who I had one brief contact with in the early 80s. I sent him a letter and he answered me, and then he disappeared. He said from his contact with extraterrestrials, which in that time he was getting radio contact. Now, by the way, there's a woman who is a guardian of a crystal skull that we met when we went to Boston and New Jersey, and she said her father worked for like NBC or CBS. He was Mm -hmm. a very high executive, and her father told her there are certain radio frequencies that they will not allow people... Uh, to be able to listen to because there are voices talking on those frequencies, which could either be spirits or extraterrestrials or whatever it was, mm-hmm. so when you have a radio set, you don't have all the the all the frequencies, just the frequencies that we're allowed to to use you know for our own radio frequencies uh-huh. right um, so George Hunt Williamson also talked about you know um, with the radio frequencies uh contact with um these extraterrestrials and so on. I gotta bring myself back, so what does this have to do with the 13? Well, it's just this, this number of 1 and 12 keeps coming up a lot. Okay. So, purportedly, I'm trying to remember who was the first person that talked about. It. I think my co-author, Mr. Nasserino, from our first book, A Mystery of the Crystal Skulls Revealed, that came out in 1983. was a co-author with him and Sandra Bowen. He was one of the first that had visions about a set of 13. But I think uh, the Mayans, they talk about 52 skulls, which would be four sets of 13 that they have one. So this number 1 and 12 just seems to come up a lot. But as far as how many of the older or ancient skulls, there's hundreds that are known now. Now, as far as how do we know which ones are ancient or whatever, well, we really, as far as I know, we do not have... A scientific technique, like for example, when you uncover an ancient civilization, use carbon-14 dating. Right. But that's for organic substances. Skulls are inorganic, so you know you can't just look at, like, you know, our uh, how was the skull made? Like some skulls, we can see it was done very primitive, primitively. So they may be what we call old skulls, over 100 years old, but they may not be these very old, ancient ones that Eric's asking about. Um, I think predominantly how we know the older one is, number one, when you work with sensitives or psychics, they start getting a history and seeing, you know, like how the skull was made or what civilizations worked with it. A lot of people, when they're in the presence of the older skulls, they feel a very strong presence or an energy with them, which you may not feel with the, the new ones. However, uh, what I need to point out is some of our skulls have been around. They call them their older brothers and sisters. This is how they call them. And what happens is when an older skull meets a younger skull, the older skull will start passing energy and knowledge and information. And as soon as it starts doing that, then the newer skull no longer is a new skull. Really, it's you know awakened and it has special energies with it. We did an example of a test. There's a device called a meridian stress test system. Mm-hmm. The medical doctors in Europe use it to diagnose and find cures for their patients. Here in the United States, the last I heard, is medical doctors can use it to give them information, but they cannot prescribe from it. Like The way the, the system is set up is you have an electrode that touches the meridians on your hands and your feet, And each meridian is connected to an internal organ or a chakra or or some body system. And your body does not lie how you're doing. So this device is extremely accurate. But what happened was, is we used this device to measure um, uh, the energy of crystal skulls. But we had to measure the energy of the skulls through a person who was holding it or in its presence, Okay. So this is the test we did. We had two new, brand new crystal skulls that were just made by Brazilian Carver. Uh, this was when I was in Chicago. The man loaned it to us, so they didn't really have any energy. And then what we did is we tested a person's response to those skulls with this device. We put the skulls on a tray that measures how a person responds to the energy of the object. And so the persons didn't do really well. It could have just been because of the material they were made. I think one was clear quartz, one was um, uh, amethyst, purple quartz. Then we took those two skulls and we put them next to Portal de Luz, which for me, he's a very active skull. I mean, I'm not going to say the name of this Mayan elder, but I met a Mayan elder in Holland mm. and Portal de Luz... Told me we went to a movie where they were talking about, you know, the Ma- Mayan prophecy. It was before 2012. Right. And P- Partal de said, "Just put me on the table and let the Mayan elder come and do whatever he's going to do. Don't say anything to him." Well, I couldn't really say much to him anyway because my Spanish wasn't that good. <laughs> so, so anyway, the Mayan elder comes up and then gets this person with them. Said, "This skull is one of ours. You need to give it to us." Because what happened is when a Spanish came over into the Americas, they stole everything. And they stole some of the the crystal skulls which the mines had, which, by the way, there was an article that reported a Spanish galleon found off the coast of Florida where there were two crystal skulls inside of it. So that was kind of like evidence that that this goes on. So Portal de Luz uh, faked out the Mayan elder, and he faked him out because he had – had been with some of the ancient skulls, like Mitchell Hedges. There's another one called E.T., and my friend Joachim Veditian has, that came out of Guatemala. And um, so he had taken these energies, and this Mayan priest, I think, was uh, uh, confused because, you know, the skull was beautifully done, and it had the energies that he recognized, which the skulls that they protect in Guatemala had. So um, Portal kind of faked him out. So when I showed him another skull with the same design, which did not have the same energy, then he was quiet. So the reason I'm mentioning this is even these new skulls can take on higher frequencies and energy because the materials they're made from are are thousands or millions of years old. Okay, Okay. And it also depends upon who is the guardian of the skull. We don't say the owner. We call the person the guardian because the skulls pick us. We don't pick them. So that's something that a lot of people I talk to are guardians and they say, Yeah, that's pretty pretty true. When they tell you the story of how they got their skulls or you know, they saw one on eBay and they just had to have that skull, it's just like shouting out at them. Mm-hmm. So that so that's normal. So anyway, I think the number thirteen comes from the indigenous tribes who had a set, a master set possibly of thirteen skulls. Maybe they duplicated it, then there are multiple sets and um and But there are hundreds or thousands of these older skulls that are coming out now. Okay. And it's mostly, uh, when I say this, it's either the design is, um, you can see it's not made like the, the skulls today are using diamond tip tools and saws with right. diamond tip tools. Yeah. You know, they didn't have these diamond tip tools to make it. Or they're very advanced skulls that have a strong energy, which probably were from Lemuria, Atlantis, gifts from the gods, Or beyond. So, so. But I don't. I don't know if it really matters if you. You know whether it's ancient, old, new, whatever. They're all here to help us. That's the most important thing, and you just need to honor them. And you're not going to feel an affinity for all the skulls, even some of the most famous ones and the older one. I've watched people, where you know they're by one skull, one of the older skulls, didn't feel nothing, but then they saw the other one and they go, "Wow, I feel such a connection." To that, or they start having profound dreams, or whatever. Right. All right. Well, uh, folks, I think we're
1: going to take our next break here. Uh, we are talking to Josh Shapiro about the crystal skulls. We will be right back after your paranormal headlines.
0: And now, now Parachute Radios, Radio's Paranormal, paranormal Headlines. 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 headlines.
1: How's it going, Parafans? Justin here with your paranormal headlines. And these headlines are from unexplainedmysteries.com. Weird snowball waves appear in Lake Sabago. Land art and sculpture artist David Allen has captured footage of a peculiar natural phenomenon in Maine. The world's weather has been acting up rather a lot lately, and now a period of fluctuating temperatures in the northeasternmost U.S. state has created a rather unusual spectacle. Alan had been on the northwest beach of Lake Savago when he spotted what appeared to be waves of snowballs sloshing against the shore. The lake was not frozen over at the time, and the area had been subjected to alternating hot and cold spells over the preceding days and weeks. When he picked some of them up, he noted that they consisted of slush rather than hard ice, suggesting that they may have been formed from snow that was caught by a nearby jetty. The resulting slush on the water would have then been shaped into snowballs by the wind. Multiple UFOs filmed over Santiago, Chile. Four unidentified objects were caught on camera over the Chilean capital a few days before Christmas. One of the videos, which was recorded by a local woman and her family, shows the four objects hovering in formation over a tall building at around 30 seconds into the clip that can be seen moving off one at a time towards the right of the frame before disappearing. A second recording, made by a separate witness, which shows the same spectacle from a different angle, offers a clearer view of the objects and can be seen on YouTube. The footage has generated some heated debate since appearing online with critics arguing that the object could have been nothing more than drones or some other type of conventional aircraft. So far, however, no definitive explanation for the sightings has been found. And this has been Justin with your Paranormal Headlines. This was a segment of Parachute Radio's Paranormal Headlines. right, folks, welcome back to Paratruth Radio. My name is Justin. I've been talking to Josh Shapiro about the crystal skulls. Now, Josh, we are coming close to the end of the show, so I did want to give you a chance to tell everybody where they can find you, find the information on the skulls that you guys have researched and found, uh, your books, all that great stuff.
2: Okay. Well, the main website that we have right now is uh, crystalskullexplorers.com. So if they look but if they go to Google and they just look up Joshua Shapiro and Crystal Skulls, they'll find me because I've been on the internet for a long time. Okay. However, there's something new that we're going to be offering, which isn't quite ready yet, and testing it out, is number one to update our website. People will come and they'll see it's an in all an in old design. Uh, so we have a new new website that we're working on. But what we're doing is I'm working on two novels right now. Stories. One story is actually the novelization of a script. I worked with a person in Australia from 2004, and we developed a story, a special story where the 13 skulls actually come together and they help with world peace, which is part of what the story's about. We tried to get it made into a movie, and we just couldn't find any support. So I decided last year, I, you know, the story is sitting inside of me, and it's, it's driving me crazy. I have to tell it. So mm. I found a friend who's a member of our free newsletter that we have on the Crystal Skulls, which they can find on the website that I gave, crystalskullexplorers.com. Mm. And she's helping me to take the, the story. We've expanded it greatly beyond what's in the script because in a script you only get like a hundred some pages and you have to, you know, really make things shorter. So we've expanded on it. And what we're going to do in the new membership is people are going to be able to read chapters that are already done. Like I think for that book we have the uh, prologue and 11 chapters done already. And,
3: okay. then,
2: uh, and then while that was going on, around my birthday last year, um, or no, I think it was 2014 also, another story comes to me, and this story, which I'm really excited about, is we have kind of like a guy like me who's traveling around, you know, speaking about paranormal and spiritual things, connected with the crystal skulls and so on, um, is he gets an opportunity to go through a dimensional portal in Peru. So it's kind of like linked to where I went to the Blue Skull, Mm. because it's kind of semi-autobiotic, how do you say it, biographical or whatever. (laughs) Uh, It's kind of based on a lot of experiences that I have, um, but um, um, he goes through a portal, and he it's like he's invited, and the Blue Skull help him to go through this portal, and so that's kind of like book one. You get to meet him and everything that leads up to his invitation to go, but this is the key. We have a lot of people who have experiences on the other side. You know, they go out of body, they have a dream, they have an accident, they're there, but when they come back, it's like the movie... Um, uh, God, I can't remember the name of this movie where this scientist um, gets this message from space and they build this device and it looks like n- nothing happened to her, but she travels through wormholes. Do you know the one I'm talking about? It was based on... uh See, I wish I could remember. It's probably some of your listeners and audience will know which movie I'm talking about. Very popular movie. And when she gets there, she meets this extraterrestrial that looks like her father who says, this is how we met the other races. So now we're inviting you and we sent you you know, to build this device so you could come to us. So um, anyway, she came back but she had no proof whatsoever except there were six hours of static recording her going through this. Like um spinning vortex that the device goes through, um, but there was no physical proof they I think Spirit gave me a story where this guy has these experiences, and he's able to record everything, and when he comes back, he shares that with the world. So it's kind of a little bit like UFO disclosure. If UFO disclosure came, how would it change our world? Well, people's lives wouldn't be the same anymore. Because according to Greer, with UFO disclosure comes the advanced technologies that the people behind the scenes have that they're not sharing with us, like free energy and all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of a similar story, except when he goes and he records his experiences, he also asks these questions. Who are we? Where do we come from? What's life about? What happens to us when we die? He comes back with all the answers and everything. So that's what this story is about. So we, we're starting this membership this month, and people will have the opportunity to receive the chapters we've already finished from both stories, plus interviews, like you're interviewing me now. I've done this with several well-known people, like Bill Holman. I have an interview with him. That's why he called me up today to see how that went. And um, the guy from the skull Experiment, uh, Robin Foy, I got a chance to interview him. So some special people So I'm combining the book with those audio interviews, and that's the membership. So we're going to be offering that um, in January sometime that people can join. And it will introduce people to the new version of our website, too,
3: which is, you know,
2: WordPress and menus and everything and Sidebar. And, you know, it'll be a lot easier than the old website. So they'll, they'll have to bear with us. Um, So that's going to be coming up, and then, you know, there'll probably be some travels. I think Belgium I'll be going back to in Europe later in the year, and um, we're doing a lot of stuff in the Seattle area, too, if any of your viewers or listeners are in the Seattle area where we're based, and – and then Crystal Skull World Day again is probably going to come up in November. That's a special day for all the Crystal Skull Guardians that we came together. We did a special meditation. We had an audio that people could listen to online and then do a meditation. That was really powerful. So we had um, we had about um, 12 or 15 public gatherings that were around that too that happened besides people doing it in their homes. But crystalskullexplorers.com is, you know, the main place to go. They can get my email. They can join our free uh, newsletter. Um, and soon there'll be announcement about on there about uh, the new membership. We have a free ebook, have a lot of pictures, a lot of articles. So um, that's the best way to find us. And I'm notorious. If somebody writes me an email, that it gets answered almost immediately. Okay. I'm not traveling, because uh, there's too many emails that come. So, yeah. so it's just better that way. Delete yeah. the junk, answer the ones, and then you can go to sleep at night, knowing you're caught up, and then you can start over the next day. So. Right. Plus, the other thing, too, that we do help people with we're in the process, you know. We got a couple people right now that are waiting for us to send them their skulls. Is we do help people find crystal skulls. So you either, either, if they're already guardian and they're interested to get some more, we're in touch with Brazilian and Chinese carvers. Or if they've never had a crystal skull and want us to help us get their first one, we can help and you know recommend and so on. Okay. So um, so these are all the different kind of things that we kind of have on our website. And and of course, if there are any listener or viewers who have a crystal skull that's not known please contact us i'd like to know about it you know because uh, so many are coming out now so right. uh, that would be be nice to know and uh, you know or if you if they have any kind of interesting story to tell i mean we cover the whole area of the paranormal so it's like all the pieces are starting to fit together for me how how things work that's yeah. why i said we don't have enough time here to talk about everything the crystal right. skulls is just one part of this big puzzle that's coming out. So. Right. It's amazing. But I want to thank you for having me on the show, and it's been a pleasure to be here.
1: Thank you for coming on, and uh, maybe we can get you on again in the future, hopefully with Eric, and uh, maybe when it gets closer to November again, we can get you on for Crystal Skull Day as well. Okay, that would be great. Appreciate that. All right. Thank you so much, and I'll talk to you soon. All right. Talk to you soon,
2: everyone. Have a great 2016. Thank you. Yeah.
1: All right. All right, folks. That was Josh Shapiro, uh, very amazing guest. Had a lot of information about the crystal skulls, and uh, I'm looking forward to having him on again. Uh, Definitely some different things to think about. You know, like. I said during the interview, I do like to bring you guys several uh, different topics that uh, we talk about from a couple different perspectives, because Eric does come from a different perspective than I do. So uh, I I do encourage you guys to make your own opinions what you think the truth is about the, the Crystal Skulls. So, uh, that's all we got for you guys for the Crystal Skulls. Next week, uh, we are taking a break. Uh, Eric and I are just going to, uh, to chill for a week and, uh, come back to you fresh and regrouped and rejuvenated and get, uh, get going again. So, uh, definitely, uh, tune in not next week, but the following week. You guys can, you know, Look at all the archives, listen to the archives, all that great stuff if you like. Uh, but, uh, we will be off, so definitely check out all the, uh, the great stuff we got going on. Uh, as we said, uh, last week that, uh, we will be premiering Tigrell for God radio. I actually had said the 12th, it's actually the 13th of next week, and, uh, we are on the show with her for her premiere show. So, Check that show out as well. Definitely a great broadcaster. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. So until not next week, but the week after, the same time, same channel, my name's Justin. Talk to you guys later. If you enjoyed this episode of Parachute Radio and you would like to listen to it again,
0: or are interested in listening to any of our past episodes, then you can listen
1: to them on HD at our website, peartoothradio.com. And you can also find us at Stitcher, Blueberry, TuneIn, iTunes, Spreaker, and YouTube.
0: And of course, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for brand new updates of our show every day.